Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome everybody to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm BJ. And this week we are talking about the history of Dragon Quest. It is a ongoing series that we're going to do, so this is going to cover a whole lot of different episodes. Uh, this is the first episode, so we're going to be dealing with like all the stuff that led up to Dragon Quest and like JRPGs being created. Uh, we're also not experts, so this is going to be a very laid-back history of Dragon Quest. Uh-uh. Yeah, I was kind of discussing it and going back like further into like heroic storytelling and mythology and things like that. Kind of a meandering way of getting to the uh, hero story that we're playing through and podcasting about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, really quickly, apologies for last week's episode. I realized when I was uh, editing that episode that... The audio was pulling from the computer, not the mic, so I sounded extra echoey last week. So sorry for everyone who listened uh, to that. Just uh, not in general, but just as like a who had to listen to my voice echoey. Um, also, apologies to anybody listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> just we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, just, there, there you are. Um, I would like to say thank you to uh, Sonny, who emailed us after last week's episode, and they let us know uh, about the Dragon Quest Die uh, color pages that we were talking about in the uh, manga. Um, apparently, when uh, this is a quote I'm reading, uh, when the manga was in the Weekly Jump, uh, they featured a certain manga each week, and that manga was the first part of the magazine. Uh, the manga is painted in colors for uh, the first uh, some pages, and uh, there are surely some specific numbers uh, that the artist must follow, but uh, they don't know. And uh, it's called can- uh, Kanto Color. Uh, Kanto, uh, I'm surely mispronouncing that, uh, means beginning of the story, and a lot of popular mangas treated like that. Dragon Ball had color pages. Uh, so when Dai's chapters are gathered into a book, it looks like random color pages in a book, but it's intro pages when you're going into something like Weekly Jump. So that was really cool. Uh, really appreciate Sunny uh, letting us know about that because it was something that was neat. I love learning things like that. So big thanks to you, Sunny. Yeah, for sure. I thought that was really cool too. I had, uh, I read it a little late, so I'm glad you responded because my email keeps sending DQFM things into my spam folder, which I, which I realized. So I, I try to check my spam folder every few days, just in case something slips through. And whenever I was reading that, uh, like two days ago before we recorded this, I was like, wow, this is, this is like really fascinating. So thank you, Sonny. That was, thank you for responding and giving us an answer. Now we yeah, know. I really appreciate it. So uh, I guess really with the history of Dragon Quest, it's like you can constantly go back, and we've mentioned this in a previous episode, where it's like you take Dragon Quest and then you go back to like wizardry, and then you can go back to like Dungeons and Dragons, but then you have to go back to Lord of the Rings. But then and you, you go, go to back Lord to the Ultima Rings, as well. We can't miss the uh, the Ultima series and the Avatar and how the single hero played in. 
And then if you go back to Lord of the Rings, you really have to go back to like myth, mythology, <laughs> like ancient, like Norse myth, a lot of it. Uh, Norse if you're myth, Scandinavian at uh, folk tales. Yeah. So uh, people who maybe are not familiar uh, with me as a person, uh, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd. Like I'm a huge Tolkien nerd, Lord of the Rings nerd. Uh, and like, not just, I don't just read Lord of the Rings. Like I read like the history of Middle Earth books that are just like reading the same drafts over and over and over again. <laughs> like, like I'm that guy. I'm the guy reading like drafts of Tolkien, and it's just like the same paragraph six times in a row. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's me. Um, I, I that is me. For those who maybe don't know. Uh, I'm not going to promise I'm not going to do a whole episode on this and just go really off the rails here. I'm going to rein myself in. But for those who don't know, uh, Tolkien was very much inspired by uh, like the Scandinavian Norse myth, things like that. That's why, where you get like the dwarves, the elves, uh, and a lot of what you see just in the in Lord of the Rings comes from at least a little bit of that. Like a lot of times I feel like people make the mistake of thinking that like Tolkien created a lot of these things. And it's right. like, I mean, he did create hobbits, but a lot of the other things that exist in that exist in Middle Earth that exist in his world uh, were not his invention. He just uh, there's an there's an intro that I have in certain editions of Lord of the Rings that I own. Again, nerd, I own multiple copies. <laughs> of Lord of the oh uh, yeah, I mean, and there are a lot of things like that that I own as well. Heck, I think I gave you some of my extra copies, so you would have extra copies at one point. You gave me, yeah, you gave me the hard covers of the movie editions because I only had the paperback of the movie edition. Oh, right, 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 right. They yeah. have different, they have different covers, but also the hard covers have cool fold-out maps of Middle Earth. Uh, but I anyway, do. there is an introduction for uh, in one of the volumes of Lord of the Rings that I have. Don't remember off the top of my head which one, where somebody who's writing this forward talks about it, and the expression that they used was that Tolkien didn't create these things but he gave them a home middle earth, right middle earth being the home there and so i think that's kind of a, a cool way to look at it and then from there from lord of the rings we kind of skip ahead i guess to get into bj's favorite topic of the last two years dungeons and dragons <laughs> dun, 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 dun. i do love it so much and dungeons and dragons didn't invent next to anything uh th th at least initially they drew very heavily from existing fantasy lore and things like tolkien and uh other rpgs that were out like chainmail and stuff so it's uh they didn't create a whole lot. I mean, they did with beholders and uh, mind flayers and stuff like that. And it's, it's grown massive amounts, but it was very much a Tolkien-esque uh, high fantasy hero adventure yeah. when it first came out. So for, for background for background on this uh, really quickly, there, there is a book I highly recommend, another book. This episode is all about books, apparently. But it's, uh, it's Art and Arcana. It's the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons kind of biography kind of like history like illustrated history of dnd yeah and it's and really 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 cool it's super good there is as with a lot of like official biographies there's a little bit you have to take some of it with a grain of salt you know like there's some stuff especially later on with wizards of the coast buying tsr out and things like that where like i feel like there was like a corporate like hey we have to paint this in a better light like uh -huh. kind of things 
but but generally it's really good. And if you love D and D or just really like hit gaming history, like it's very cool. Lots of pretty pictures. But uh, that book is pretty good. And then there's another one that I cannot remember off the top of my head. But I read when I was much younger and wasn't even into D and D yet. Uh, but it was about uh, the creators of D and D, Gary Gygax and Dave uh, Arneson. Dave Arneson. Arneson. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, it was it was talking about them uh, some, and it had like some like clips, I guess, of interviews, not like a full interview, but just snippets yeah. of interviews, uh, where it was essentially them talking about what gave them the idea for Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of it very much was, we love Lord of the Rings. We wish we could live in Middle Earth. So <laughs> how do we do that without like going crazy? <laughs> and so, so their idea for that was this kind of role playing game. And it really started out with there being a lot of, a lot of uh, characters and stuff that you would see in Lord of the Rings. Uh, like yeah. whenever it started out with them doing like playing games in like their own houses and like in their own basements and things like that, they didn't have to worry about copyright back then. So it was just like okay, cool, here's here's Ents and, and Treebeard walking around and stuff like that. And uh, one of my favorite things that I've seen from the Art and Arcana book is where they were trying to play with miniatures early on in those early days. And I think I think it's Gary Gygax's, where he took a troll doll, like the troll, you know, trolls, like the, with the colorful hair, not troll, right. like Vulcan troll, but like a, you know, toy troll like the little you know they're naked and they have the fuzzy hair up at the top oh i loved them when i was a kid where he took one of those from his daughter painted it uh to give it a little bit of a monstery sheen and cut off some like fabric and glued it over its face to give it like a beard (laughs) oh my to make it look more like a kind of int uh trollish monster you know and uh and anyway, I, I thought that was really cool because that, that's the kind of like behind the scenes stuff that I really like is just like the the super nerdy dedication that can go along with yeah. inventing a game or playing a game and painting your kid's troll doll and then gluing some fabric onto its face to give it a beard is the kind of dedication that I really uh, appreciate. <laughs> and that you may take as inspiration someday uh, and steal your children's toys and do the same. We we have done we have made uh like because they have play doh and stuff and we have made like little yeah. slimes and things like that with uh with play doh from time to time uh, when we do that and then a lot of times uh, my kids want me to draw with them and I'm not a very good artist uh, by any means but uh, but I just kind of draw what I know so a lot of my drawings are just like little slime sketches and stuff like I I drew one the other day that was like. Uh, Naomi shooting a slime out of a cannon off a cliff and there was like a two little slimes behind her at her feet and they were all like sweating and scared looking because they were about to be next and she found it hilarious again it wasn't a pretty picture because I'm not an artist <laughs> but it's, it was fun hey now she liked your pictures are very pretty remember the one that you made of me where you're standing on a boat where you dropped me on a desert island with <laughs> Hitler and the devil uh, <laughs> and I don't even remember what you said but it's just like that's where you left me it's like this is what you deserve I'm like oh it was me okay this is picture if you will I will paint a picture with words this time. <laughs> Instead this of colored was, pencils. This was a colored pencil drawing that took up 
like I want to say four or five of the eight by 11, like pages that you get out of a printer. Yeah. Like you taped them together in one long, like panorama kind of widescreen image. I did. Yeah. And, and we, I think we have pictures of it on both of our phones. So we need to, we need to post that sometime because it was kind we of funny. Absolutely do. But yes. it was, it was, uh, you, the devil and Hitler are on an Island. And <laughs> I, I am this is the start of a great joke. <laughs> it is. And I am on a boat uh leading like like Captain Morgan pose at the at the bow of a boat pointing a trident. Uh I have a crown on my head and like a king's, you know, robe uh, flowing past me like a cape. And I am on a boat which is riding a tidal wave that's about to crush you guys. This tidal wave is about to crush you. And inside the boat are my allies who are a unicorn, uh Abraham Lincoln, and Gandalf <laughs> and a skeleton with a top hat because I found it in my uh I found it in my um uh Google photos just now while okay while cool listening. and apparently a skeleton with a top hat forgot forgot about him don't know what that's about uh but anyway we are writing to destroy uh my enemies who again are you Hitler and the devil <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm wearing my typical uh, outfit that I wore a bunch at the time of cargo shorts, blue chucks, or maybe the running shoes. I didn't zoom in and a shirt that just says run exclamation point on the uh, on the island. And there is a tiny crab that you're going to kill as well. Yeah, well, he's OK. He can breathe underwater. He's not going to get hurt if the water That's washes true. him away. He's OK. The tidal wave is just crushing the three of you. But I digress. Uh, anyway, uh, so so Dungeons and Dragons really started uh, like a lot of things that get popular. It really started as essentially fan fiction, uh, and they turned it into this really fun game. It got popular. They founded this company, TSR. TSR eventually went bankrupt. Wizards of the Coast bought them out in the '90s, and now we have. Dungeons and Dragons as we know it today and then sometime in between TSR being founded as a company and really taking off and Wizards of the Coast buying the company out because of their bankruptcy and things like that there was Ultima wizardry video games fantasy video games that started to release and Dragon Quest was was among those early releases uh, also, in the middle of this, you had the weird D&D animated show that ran for just a little while in the 80s. Which is uh, super fun and awful. And uh, if I remember right, and I don't know how it worked, I just remember reading it, that they brought the characters from that animated series back in Wild Beyond the Witchlight somehow. And I don't have any idea how. I just know that they they mentioned their names in some articles I read. That is, yeah, that campaign is one I'm DMing with our D&D group next when we finish with Avernus. And I am not telling you the answer, my friend. You I mean, I don't know. It. I just know I read that as an article. I'm not even trying to get you to say the answer. But I think it's cool that they've gone back to that uh, in one of the new adventures. Yeah, and so... Uh, anyway, just that has nothing. The show has nothing to do with that, but I just feel like it's worth mentioning that there was a very short-lived Dungeons and Dragons animated show uh, in the '80s. That, as far as I know, you cannot find like anywhere now. You can find like some really low-resolution uh, clips on YouTube from, I guess, people who probably recorded them on their VCR. Oh, I've then, got them on DVD. There was a D and D. Oh, was there? Uh, 
DVD yeah. release of it. Yeah, I remember it was one of them that uh, you got in the Walmart like five dollar bin. Yeah, uh, we dug through the D- DVDs, and I saw that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I am not uh, not putting that like passing that up." Because I remember watching it when I was a kid. So I actually think it might still be shrink wrapped in the in the living room right here. I need hey, to go uh, check. That's awesome. Yeah. That's- but yeah, they, they do exist. So you, if you do want to see them in probably still not good resolution, they do exist on DVD. I don't know about other stuff. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that's one of those things that is like $200 now, <laughs> because I feel like a lot of $5 bin DVDs, it, it can go either way. They're like worthless now, or they're right. worth like hundreds of dollars that you don't really want to pay for it. But, um, but I could see that going either way with the D&D animated series. Hmm. Uh, the complete five DVD set that I don't have, uh, it's going, the one I have, uh, looks yeah. like it's going for about 35 bucks on eBay. So, okay. so more than $5. Yeah, it grew not, a lot. So more than $5, but nothing too crazy. I mean, 35 too crazy. bucks for a DVD show. That's not, looks like, like you can buy ridiculous. it now for $8 on uh, eBay right now. So that's okay. Yeah. Cool. So they're, they're affordable if you want to see it. <laughs> yeah. They have retained their value or unvalue in value i don't know whatever they have they have retained much of the same cost from way back when you bought it i guess 2009 apparently according to this i didn't know when it was i thought it was when i was in college huh so then you have dungeons and dragons which kind of helped uh launch the the fantasy genre for video games uh, which took a lot of looking at stats numbers leveling up things like that uh, to apply it to video games. And before we really get in to the the meat of video games here, I do think it's time for a little shameless self-promotion. I'm so shameless, shameless, shameless. You love the shameless self-promotion. You gotta be shameless. Don't let me be shameless. I'm so shameless. We haven't done one of these in a while. I feel like it's been not a while. It's been no. a little while since we did shameless self promotion. Yeah, we used to do it weekly, and then it became like a bi weekly thing, and then it became a thing that we do when we remember it. <laughs> it's true, but, just like our wives. But uh, now you got to edit that out. <laughs> I, I'm gonna leave it in just so people can see what a turd you are. <laughs> just so people can see what I have to deal with on a day to day basis. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we do have a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm if you'd like to help support this nonsense. Uh, I also want to <laughs> want to shout out really quickly that a while back uh, I was asked to guest on a podcast called Click Here that's uh, more of a news podcast than, than a gaming podcast, but this episode focused on Genshin Impact, which is a game that I've played since it launched and, and BJ has gotten into, especially in the last couple of months we play, talk about, uh, and anyway, had a lot of fun doing that, but the fine folks over at Click Here want to tell you about their podcast, so I'm going to let them. It seems like we hear about a new cyber attack almost every single day. On the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Malicious cyber actors are targeting the healthcare and public. This isn't just about hacking big corporations anymore. It's about hacking you. You don't really know how prepared you are until it happens. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, host of Click Here, a new podcast making sense of all things cyber and intelligence, from disinformation campaigns to ransomware 
They call them cyber mercenaries. Do you think you guys are ready for the next ransomware attack? Oh, I never want to jinx myself with that. And how we stop them. They pulled out a badge. And at that point, I was just like, holy shit. Click here, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you want to check out that Genshin Impact episode, or if you're listening to this and want something that uh, doesn't isn't necessarily two goofballs just talking about video games, <laughs> then, <laughs> then be sure to check that out. They, the, everyone that I met that was on that podcast, they were lovely people, very much enjoyed it. Uh, so definitely, definitely check out Click Here. Um, getting back into today's episode, though, I want to mention uh, Ultima Wizardry. You are a huge, you are a huge Ultima fan. I don't know if you still are, but you used to play Ultima like, like nutso back in the day, yeah. Mostly, it was Ultima Online. That's what actually got me into the series more than anything. And then I went back and played a bunch of the older games. Uh, on PC when they released, uh, I think it was an Ultima one to eight collection, maybe Ultima one to nine, uh, that I had bought it somewhere in the other room. But, uh, I really, really like the series. I don't think as a kid, it was, it would, it, I didn't get exposed to it as a kid. And so it was, I don't think it would have like pulled me in just based on the kind of game it was, but just the, the looking and reading about the history of its creation, it is, amazingly uh just deep on how how they were created uh it came from a from a game called a calabeth by richard garriott and just like he wanted to create this epic world back when you know you were on tandy computers kind of and uh it it worked jessica tandy computers yeah it was look at you But yeah, it's really cool. It started that uh, really in-depth computer RPG story-based game where really it, I don't want to say it launched it by any means, but it was one of the first like majorly successful uh, from the ground up, like dude was packaging the, the floppy disks and mailing them out on his own in his, uh, in his house. So it's uh super story based but super cool like you only control one character like you are that character uh and going through the world and the story is based around you like being transported into this world and you being the the so-called avatar that's going to save them and do all of this you know prophesied hero stuff yeah and i also one thing that i thought because i'm not a huge ultimate expert but you know i do I, i do know about video games i know about some of the like weird quirky history and uh, one thing that I always thought was interesting, because back then, uh, video games, technology, everything was kind of like in a Wild West <laughs> yeah. uh, state. And like I've seen where people, where I guess the game, I don't know if it was officially modded, I guess, for lack of a better term or what, but they added in like lightsabers and stuff to the game. So you could run around in like OG Ultima uh, with, uh. with a lightsaber. And uh, and some funny things like that. I'm also I really I grew up playing a lot of the Sierra online games, right? Like uh, King's, Quest King's Quest and all that. Yeah, yeah, King's Quest, like the point and click kind of like fun yep. like fantasy adventures. And Sierra Online, Jennifer did too. Like I, I never did, but apparently they were way bigger uh, 
than I ever knew, like, because so many people love them. Obviously, Sierra Online was, but I didn't know that you were, too. Like, Jennifer, like, really adored them, has new, like, remastered copies she plays. I I did not like the newest King's Quest, the one that was, like, made by Telltale Games. Uh, oh, we loved that really? one. The uh, the had like Christopher Lloyd in it, and, and it was like cel from... It looked pretty. I just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't like the. I just didn't like it very much. I oh man, we had fun playing that one together. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know. You're wrong. No, I, <laughs> I get I get how you wouldn't like it. I, that's actually one of the few like Telltale style games I actually like. Uh, but yes, yeah, I don't C- like the rest of them. Sierra Online, in addition to making an obscure Hobbit video game that nobody remembers, uh, that came out on like Xbox. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they they made that because they didn't have the rights to Lord of the Rings, so they couldn't make it look like the Lord of the Rings movies because the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out at, around the same time, and so they had this really weird, wacky Hobbit game. But anyway, uh, that's also another tangent. But anyway, Sierra Online, they re-released Ultima uh, back in the 80s, around the time that the first Dragon Quest game came out, and which I, I did not play. I was a little late to Sierra Online uh, because of being born at the butt end of the 80s. So <laughs> so I, I missed a lot of the early King's Quest games, but we also had like an old computer and things like that growing up. So King's Quest V, which I think came out like 90 or 91, somewhere around in there. It was like the first King's Quest game that I really have a memory of. Okay. Um, but I have some I have some fond memories of hanging out with the King's Quest games uh, on my family's Windows 95 computer, which was like oh, yeah. the, the technology when we got it. We yeah. got it like Christmas oh, yeah, morning, we... and it was like a super big deal. Yeah, we had a 486 with Windows 95 on it. It was, it was awesome. I think those ports for Ultima went to like the Atari and Commodore 64. I believe is where the Sierra online ports came out in 86, which means that it kind of got to compete with Dragon Quest, I guess. Kind of. Kind of. And I mean, it was I, like five years it, after it originally released, but it was kind of there competing. Yeah. For a while, at least the Commodore 64 and uh, machines like that were more popular than the NES and stuff. So, um, because just because it was new and expensive and people already had the others. So they probably got a lot of, a lot of play. And I mean, those are the kinds of games. Those are the games that inspired Dragon Quest. When Yuji Horii was uh, playing, he was playing Ultima and he was playing Wizardry and wanted to make uh, the Japanese version of those. Yeah, for sure. And we have to talk about Wizardry just a little bit. Did you play a lot of Wizardry growing up? No, I have never played a Wizardry game. I know about them. I've seen them, but that's one where, uh, like, just my entire life, I've never actually loaded up and played a Wizardry game. Same for Bard's Tale. Never played a Bard's Tale game. So I'm going to tell a somewhat embarrassing story uh, about myself that has to do with Wizardry uh, when I was a kid. So young Austin... Uh, did not realize that wizardry was a thing for a long time. And I was probably, I want to say like eight or nine years old, maybe a little older, whenever, it was whenever uh, we got like the Windows 95 computer, like Windows 98 definitely wasn't out yet. I know right now I'm explaining my life in terms of Windows versions, which kind of seems weird. So I mean, around 19, between 1995 and 1998. It was the mid to late 90s, yes. (laughs) Somewhere in there, somewhere in there, there used to be a screensaver 
there used to be a screensaver that you could do where it was like you were running through like a maze and the walls were made yeah. out of brick. Oh, I had that set on all my computers. And yeah, that was my favorite screensaver. And I think sometimes my dad hated that one. I think sometimes he would get annoyed because I would, I would change the screensaver. Uh, on our family computer there in the living room uh, to that all the uh-huh. time. And, I, and he liked the, he liked the ones that didn't move around so much. He would always be like, man, it's right. so distracting. Why are you setting it to that? But he did not understand how to set the screensaver. So, <laughs> but anyway, that was like my favorite screensaver from like that generation of computers. And then many years later, when I was probably like, I don't know, like a preteen, I want to say maybe like a young teenager, I saw Wizardry for the first time. I can't even remember what game it was, but I remember my first like memory of seeing Wizardry and the first comment that came out of my head to my friends was that it looked like that Windows screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Like like the the first person dungeon crawlers do look like that. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, but but Wizardry very much was much more of a dungeon crawler and you can really see the influence it had in early dragon quest games. And I feel like especially dragon quest two, when you get into like the, the cave of Rome, cave of Renderak there where there's just like, you're just in there like forever and you just want to get out like it, that definitely feels more like a punishing dungeon crawler uh, yeah. game than, than an RPG sometimes. And so I feel like uh, it's very apparent, especially in earlier Dragon Quest games. I think you can see the the inspiration for uh, wizardry right there. I also want to say that they released this uh, with wizardry. I don't know about Ultima because again, I'm not super into Ultima, but kind of like D and D released as like a as like a Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Eventually, I want to say the the friends who made wizardry, who who were American, right? Japan had not got into like video game development in this kind of way just yet like this was uh, very much like american rpgs were like all the rage yes. and anyway uh just like D started off as lord of the rings fan fiction i'm pretty sure wizardry started off as D fan fiction like i think the uh, two okay. people who invented it uh both were uh loved D and were like and they were like computer uh they were studying computers at whatever college they were at and yeah. they were like hey let's put D inside a computer uh, again early 80s uh, and so Which they still haven't really gotten right so wizardry came out and then there were like a whole bunch of games in the wizardry series and then didn't they do like a weird spinoff didn't they try to make wizardry online a thing to cash in on wow's popularity and then it like bankrupted the company and now wizardry is just gone I don't remember that, but I don't doubt it because the the uh, the post WoW boom ended up bankrupting a lot of uh, a lot of companies when they tried to uh, to cash in on it. Yeah, I want to say that it was called Wizardry Online, and I want to say that it, they were trying to cash in on the World of Warcraft craze, and then it did not work out. And let me see. I, I Googled it really fast. Yeah, the game servers were shut down on July 2014. It was called Wizardry oh, wow. Online. They start an open beta was in 2011, closed down by 2014. Uh, released to Dang. mostly mixed reviews. So there you go. But uh, but these two series, Wizardry and Ultima, really inspired Yuji Hori. So I know I know we're getting to the end for today's episode and we've just now gotten to Dragon Quest, but I told you guys <laughs> that was going to happen. And I also want to give a shout out because uh, last year, 
last year again time we never know what time it is uh, on this show but uh nope. dan howard came on uh from game apartment one c he's been on the show before but he came on to help me co-host and he wanted to do an episode all about yuji hori and uh kind of his inspiration in yuji hori's life super fascinating uh bj i know you don't listen to this podcast because you no. co-host this podcast but i highly recommend you listen to that episode <laughs> and and other people dan does most of the talking so you don't even have to listen to me uh to me ramble on like dan does most of it super fascinating stuff about yuji hori some of which i'd never heard before and so uh, I think uh, between this episode and next week's episode, uh, when we when we dive into more of the history of Dragon Quest, highly recommend BJU and also you, whoever's listening, to go back and listen to that episode from last season because I think it will give some good background on some of the stuff we're talking about. But it's also just a really uh, it was fascinating and and also shout out to Dan for coming on. Thank you for coming back on the show and and having such good stories and good things to talk about. That was a lot of fun last year. But I think that about does it for this week's episode. So if you would like to talk to us some more, you can find us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. If you want to find us uh, on Patreon, we're at Patreon.com/DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me directly, you can find me on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, it's social at dragonquest.fm. If you would like to talk to me personally, it is at Professor Beege. You can listen to my other podcast, the geek to geek podcast, wherever you're listening to this one. And you can join us on Discord to have chats at discord.geek2geekmedia.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.